Welcome to the Unlock You with Dr. Shannon Crawford podcast. Life is difficult and trying to live it to the fullest while constantly second-guessing yourself and feeling stopped by regret or painful experiences can take a toll on anyone. Do you want to get unlocked and see for yourself the beauty that life has to offer? Are you ready for aha moments and strategies to propel your business and family into a world of health? Then you've come to the right place. Join Dr. Shannon Crawford, a licensed psychologist, leadership consultant, conference speaker, and CEO of Crawford Clinics located in Dallas, Texas, as she shares her expertise from her life's commitment to helping you, the CEO, therapy client, parent, and teacher alike, identify and remove the unconscious blocks hindering you from thriving in your potential. We will also have amazing guests with incredible stories, rich knowledge, and keys to help you get unlocked today. Let's get started. I love that we have people reaching out and asking questions. We want to be a resource. We want to invest in you. And a recent question we got is, if you're an adult child, how do you navigate dynamics when your parent may not be the healthiest version of themselves? And there may be that they're displaying some child versions and you're the kind of adult in the parent-child dynamic. And so we want to tackle this one. I want to say this is not psychological advice. Uh, You can't apply anything that I say carte blanche to every situation, but I do want to give a few thoughts of maybe some keys that might be helpful. I know there's so many factors out there. I want to just validate that that can be really hard. And I want to sit with you in that space. If you're an adult child navigating family dynamics and it feels like your parents and or siblings or grandparents or in-laws or whatever are so immature and they're acting from a younger version of themselves, that that can be exhausting. It can be depleting and trying to figure out how do I walk this out in a relationship where maybe I don't get to choose it. I want this to be healthy, uh, but it kind of feels one-sided at the time. And um, sometimes it's great to go for family counseling. You can also go for um, just siblings. You can go for a friend in you, an in-law in you. Um, Sometimes that's the right decision and sometimes not. Sometimes it's better not to bring it up with the person if they have low insight and self-awareness. Now, the hardest feedback I have to give people, (laughs) and I will give now to start, is we are all right in our own mind. So when I'm in a situation, I see it through my camera lens, and I'm not objective, right? I am not as clear-minded and objective as I think I am. So when people bring a story to me, there always has to be a measure of uh, just holding space that there's different camera angles for every relationship and every dynamic. So I want to remind you that as I'm talking, be very cognizant that your view is not the only view. It is how your thalamus or the relay station deep inside the cavern of your brain is making sense of the other person's actions, behaviors, words, and then we can build a case and have negative sentiment override where no matter what they say or do, if we form a judgment against them, everything gets filtered through that camera lens and I'm no longer objective, although I feel that I am. 
Now, if I were to put the inverse and tell you, gosh, are there ever times that we feel like our family and friends might be doing negative sentiment override to us? Absolutely. It's easy on the receiving end to feel like, good golly, like no matter what I do, it's just never the right thing. They are going to nitpick. It's going to not go well, no matter what I do. I get you. It's so valid. That's so frustrating and difficult. And so let's create space for curiosity. My first step is be curious. Your brain has a self-serving bias, right? That I will naturally give myself the benefit of the doubt while accidentally, without realizing it, hold other people to a higher standard. For instance, if your in-laws are late, it feels like they are rude, disrespectful, don't care, inconsiderate, and uh, selfish, blah, blah, blah. Instead of saying, hey, sometimes I'm late as well. Sometimes life doesn't go according to plan and or maybe they've been feeling some of my little subtle judgments or maybe they're overwhelmed and flooded in the season they're in and they don't know how to navigate it either. Maybe they feel unwelcomed and so they're kind of unconsciously delaying walking out the door because of their own context of fear of rejection, fear of not being wanted, not knowing their place, etc. It can be really hard to stop yourself from being convinced that your camera lens is the only lens. My first request is be curious. Create space that there are lots of camera angles, like the movie, The Matrix. You know, there's just this million different lenses and I only have access to one. And if I'm not asking questions with humility and curiosity, then I'm really blind to 99% of the other perspectives that are available out there. What we do is we create a judgment based on a behavior, and then we assume meaning based on that. And in that judgment, very rarely do we give the benefit of the doubt unless it's about myself or someone I have a positive sentiment override. We can give the benefit of the doubt all day long, right? Like I'll have couples in my office and they'll be like, but your parents do that. Why is it fine when they do it? And my parents do it one time. And all of a sudden it's like World War III. They're just offended you to the no end. That's because if I have a positive sentiment override, I can give a pass to myself and those I've decided are good. And then I can harshly judge and dismiss those that I feel don't care or selfish or inconsiderate, et cetera. So be curious, recognize there's many camera angles, be careful of your judgments, be aware of where you've already created a judgment against this person, which might be creating a self-fulfilling prophecy. Now, again, if you're listening and you're like, no, literally, my mom is borderline personality disorder. No, really, my in-laws literally are six-year-old narcissists, like so unaware of other people. I hear you. I promise I hear you. Please keep listening. I promise we'll get to that side. But in reality, if you only look at what they're doing wrong, even if they are wrong, you will lose growth opportunities of how you can learn how to abide in peace, walk in your own character, decide who you are, 
even in the midst of having to navigate immature adults, family members, relationships. The first work is put the oxygen mask on your face. Do the deep dive. Recognize what is so triggering about that. And now let me give you context. If it's your family or if it's someone who unconsciously reminds you of your family or someone from those early formative years, you already have a template. You already have a raw nerve and an exposed nerve that gets triggered when you're around people, whether literal them or people that remind you of them. So if we're not doing our own work, our volume, the intensity of how we feel, the perception of how caustic and against us and how violating and crossing of our boundaries it is intensifies because I haven't taken the time to heal my own wounds and develop a scar from a wound. If we don't do that work, you're going to really struggle with boundaries with this person. Because what human nature is and pop psychology will tell you, here's your five steps to deal with difficult people. And those are great. And I probably would agree with many of them. But the issue is, if I don't do my own triggers, raw nerves, you're going to come across more harshly, more dismissive. In one family, this woman just asserted such a stark boundary that in-laws could not come and see the baby. And she gave all these rationales and all this pop psychology that she had read on the internet. And it was done with such a harshness that she felt she needed to use that level of assertiveness without realizing that because she grew up in a family with a lot of codependence and enmeshment, that she was unconsciously over-exaggerating, overcompensating her perception of how much she needed to push her boundaries instead of letting people know, hey, here's what I'm comfortable with. Here's what I'm not comfortable with. If we don't do the work inside of ourselves, we are not objective. We are not curious. We do not give the benefit of the doubt. And we are actually enacting, triggering, and inciting the very reactions that we are accusing the other person. We don't realize how many times we actually might be gaslighting people as normal, healthy, wonderful families. We're doing things that we don't recognize are triggering to the other person, making them feel bad or unworthy or not good enough, you know, and all the younger generation that's telling their grandparents and their parents and in-laws, like, you can't see the kids and here's all these assertive boundaries and here's all our terms. And you have to know while that feels right to you, what would it be like on the receiving end? You may say, oh, that's fine. I would be okay with that. But would you really in a relationship where there's been open access and now all of a sudden I'm slamming the door, I'm taking all control and you feel very orphaned and insecure and alone and abandoned in the relationship, wouldn't you expect them to kind of act out? And you would get the worst version of them. Not that you're responsible for other people's reactions. The whole point of this channel is we learn how to be responsible for ourselves because that's what adulthood is. 
But we also, part of responsibility is we look at what am I doing that may actually be eliciting more of those responses from my adult parents, my siblings, my in-laws, my grandparents, that I'm blaming them. I feel entitled to my accusation and judgment without realizing and humbling myself to go, man, my entitlement, my harshness, my black and white approach my firm boundaries that feel right to me actually might be a little bit intense. And I could say it in a softer way. I could recognize the value and offer it in a way that they feel seen and known and important while still sticking to whatever boundaries you may feel convicted about. It's okay to have boundaries, but most of the time, what I've seen is people don't realize their delivery of those boundaries are very off-putting. They're very intense. And without that awareness, then we keep walking around stepping on people's toes with very limited insight to what we're doing to incite and keep that dynamic going. And what I found that as I can stand in the gap and repair by proxy on behalf of that person, and if you have a therapist or a coach pastoral counseling, inner healing, wherever you go, and or even your imagination, you can picture bringing that person into your board boardroom meeting in your unconscious mind and just visualize taking that hood off their head, taking the scabs and scales off their eyes, that they really see you and value you. And they can now repent and repair. Because again, there are real things, there are real dynamics that are painful and they are wrong. And when the past generation has not done their inner healing, it can manifest in these funky, weird dynamics where you're an adult trying to steward your own life and your own family and career and whatever's important to you. And they can impinge on that with very limited self-awareness. And you might feel stuck trying to honor them trying to have a boundary, figure out what boundaries am I allowed to have because they feel like they have 100% access to me. We're not invalidating that those are very real and challenging, but we are saying the more that you get healing for yourself, the more that that scar on the inside, instead of a wound, now you can steward that with love, with grace, with kindness and firmness. You're not wishy-washy, you're not emotional, you're not saying it out of exacerbation that let's say they've been doing it for six months, you don't say anything, you don't say anything, and by the sixth month it comes out and they now feel like, whoa, blindsided, where did that come from? But we can address things quickly and easily early on and just say, hey, this is what's uh, important to me. I appreciate you. I love you. Um, I know your heart is so good, but this is something that we just value as a family or I value as a young professional or, you know, my vocation or whatever it might be. You can invite them to understand and have buy-in. Okay, so we really want to invite them almost like a boundary and how I see a lot of people doing it right now. It's like I'm an opponent to you and I'm putting this wall in front of you instead of how can we stand next to them, especially if we know they have child self states and they are immature and they're easily triggered. and They have a lot of shame. So telling them no usually backfires and it gets very dramatic and intense. If you can kind of posture yourself at the dynamic level, right? Like that I'm kind of standing next to you and I'm going, hey, your desire to be near the kids 
is also my desire. I love you. I want you to have that relationship with my children. You're a great grandparent. I know your heart is good. You know, you speak that, which is not as though it were. I know sometimes that might be hard, but you say what is true with the benefit of the doubt that their heart is good, even if their execution may not be. And so now you, you invite them into that and you say, Hey, this is the goal that we both have. And I'm wondering, this is my goal. This is your goal. But yet I've seen these obstacles and I'm sure you have seen obstacles in us getting there as well. What do you think might be some really helpful ways that we can honor both sides of us and still get our shared goal? What you're doing instead of you're my opponent, where I'm setting a boundary and you have no power and no control, which causes people to act out. Instead, I'm posturing myself what's called the Columbo approach, where it's kind of like I might know where I'm going, but I'm inviting them with Socratic questioning, which just means kind of like inviting you into the dialogue, inviting you into the questioning journey and process going, hey, my husband and I aren't comfortable with, you know, let's say spend the nights. And I know you want time with the kids. We want you to have access and time with the kids as well. Um, but I, I'm going to say this outright as a therapist, not everyone should have alone time with your children, even in your family, even in your family, it does not matter. You have been entrusted to protect your children. And some of you listening, this may not be a topic for you, but it's a burden on my heart that you get to say no to anyone having access to your children alone. That is not just because there's blood and similarity in people's veins and your last name is the same does not mean that they get to be alone with your children. Okay. So just, that's a clear boundary. So let's say, you know, I want time for you to get to be with the fam the kids and I want, and you want that. So we both have the same goal. Our conviction is to not let the kids have slumber parties uh, with people until, you know, maybe certain age or to not be unsupervised, blah, 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 like kind of give them a parameter. But I also know you would love that really special time. I'm wondering what we could do to compromise, to find a shared outcome that feels honoring for both of us, that we both get the desired outcome while recognizing and valuing one another. Immature people will just foreclose and say, well, just let me have them spend the night. Like, it's just like a no brainer. You would smile with love and patience, just like you would with a child and say, hey, I appreciate that. But that actually goes against a conviction that we have or a family uh, plan. I know it doesn't feel good. And I'm so sorry for that. It's not personal. It's just for us. This is what we've decided to do. And so I'm wondering if we could do play dates with all the cousins. I'm wondering that we could do day visits or breakfast with um, grandma and grandpa, or I'm wondering if we could have you watch the dogs or the kids or the house or whatever the conversation might be. I'm wondering if we could do these kinds of solutions because you're valuable to us. And now I've shared this story before, but I think it bears repeating. There was one mom daughter that was just, they were adult daughter, adult mom, <laughs> And it was not going well. And the daughter just exacerbated, could not figure out what was going on with her mom. And so the, she brought up the topic, trying to bring resolution. And the mom immediately jumps on it and starts getting triggered and animated. And the daughter with wisdom just softened and said, mom, I want you to know you're irreplaceable to me. There's nobody else who's going to replace you. 
And knowing that about her mom's background of abandonment, feeling like one of many kids in a trailer with lots of people going on and lots of kids, she somehow had the wisdom to realize this is not really about the holidays. This is really not about who spends what time with whom. This is not about the thing we think it's about. This is about mom feeling like she is valuable and irreplaceable. Once the Holy Spirit gave that adult daughter that key and the daughter said, it's not about this. She just went right to the heart of the matter and said, mom, I want you to know, irrespective of the outcome, you're irreplaceable to me. You are loved. You are so valuable. I respect and value you. And I am so sorry for every time and way, even though it wasn't intentional, <laughs> she didn't say that part. Even though it was not my intent, I am so sorry for every time that I have made you feel replaced or insignificant or unimportant. And I'm so sorry for being harsh or controlling in how I've responded to some of our dynamics. And I want to take ownership of my part. The mom immediately, it was like this hot air balloon that was getting ready to pounce and the mom just deflated. And the conversation was never a trigger again between them. There's so many times that we do the dance on the topic we think it's about. So we have to be curious. We have to deal with our own judgments and our own filters and camera lens of what we're perceiving people through, whether it's the literal person or like the in-laws and they may be reminding you of someone. And then we need to hold space for the fact that you may be doing something that's eliciting their reaction more than you realize, because by continuing to assert your boundary or, or reiterate what you think is important or whatever, right? Or just avoiding them and not responding to their messages because you don't know what to say. While that might be the right thing, sometimes be aware that that feels very abandoning on the other side and they may be acting out because you're doing something currently that keeps triggering and wounding them. Because most of the times, the reason that the older generation is acting like a child is because no one parented them past that point. So they're regressed, they're stuck. So now you're creating a script of how they can win. Here's the ways that by doing X, Y, Z, this is how we win as a family. And I would love for us to experience this. And so you can bring, uh, you can think about articles and journals and all those things. If your family member really does have some potential for mental health, uh, personality disorder type features, probably it's a good idea not to use a lot of reference of psychology journals because that can feel kind of patronizing and triggering. But you can just say it like it's your own idea. Like, hey, I'm curious if we could try this. I've noticed X hasn't been working super well between us. I love you. You love me. We know that for a fact. Even if, again, you don't feel like that's true, you're speaking that which is not as though it were. You're speaking the benefit of the doubt into them to help diffuse this belief that we're at odds because we don't love each other. We love each other. Now we just need the mechanics of, hey, that may have been a thing when I was a kid under your roof, but now I'm an adult and kind of it's not working anymore. And so I'm wondering how we can solve this together. Let's troubleshoot. Maybe we can go to counseling together and just have a couple of sessions, clear the air, figure out what works best so that we can get that shared common goal. If that doesn't work, you can also continue to be aware of what's that core need, that core belief that they need to feel valuable 
not replaced. And I will tell you, <laughs> most, most, most parents and in-laws feel replaced. You've got this complete dependence on them. And now you have this career or this fancy life or this in-law and this new family. And, and now they're going to feel like these little orphans waiting on the wings. Like, when are you going to call? Are you going to want me? Are you still going to want my advice? And especially people who don't have a very strong identity, they feel like you loving me is you needing me. And so that's where you start speaking identity into them. I love you for you and you loving me in this season at this age is actually supporting me and praying behind my back all you want. But actually I would do better if you don't give the advice, if you don't come in and try to rescue and solve it for me, but really empowering me and trusting me that I really am smart. I'm going to mess up but I'm also going to get it right sometimes. And that's for me to learn just like you had to learn when you were starting out in your career or college or your family, whatever that dynamic might be. And so you're just reminding, you're modeling, you're helping them come out of the child self state because you're not triggered. You can be gracious and kind and warm and have a very lovely conversation with them. And now we can start creating positive reinforcement every time they do something even a little bit similar, a little bit close to what you're wanting. So what you do if you, if they do something, even if it's a little bit close and you don't recognize it, that's actually leading to extinction. And they're going to walk around going, yeah, I tried that, but nothing works. They're just so picky. They're just so difficult. This generation X, Y, Z. But if you can try to recognize any effort that your mom or dad might bite their tongue and not say something, or they start to, and then they, rah, 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 and you're like, oh my gosh, I recognize that that was so hard that you probably wanted to give me advice right there, but you didn't. And I feel very loved and respected that you're going to let me figure it out and fail and learn and grow. I love you so much. I appreciate you. Thank you for loving me in this. But what I've found is if people don't do their own healing, then they see that their family member is about to do it. And even if they do it a little bit, now they pounce. We already had this conversation or they shut down or they start getting huffy and they stop talking to them again. People don't learn that way. Think about scaffolding. Every time you build a building, you do it in sections and in incremental growth. So we want to positively reinforce every time your in-laws respect your boundaries. There's two strategies. One, if they're healthy enough, you point out the behavior you like to reinforce it. If not, if they're not super healthy, you actually don't draw attention to the behavior. You just jump on that behavior with something positive in general. Then unconsciously, you're helping them wire together that I did something and now there's an unconscious reward that just came with it. Does that make sense? So on one side, if they're healthy enough, you point out, this is the behavior and I love it. Thank you. I recognize your effort. If there's somebody who doesn't regulate themselves and they have a lot of shame, probably it's better to not mention that they just did the behavior that you like or don't like, but rather you just reinforce it with positive reinforcement. And research consistently shows positive reinforcement, not shaming, not telling people what they're wrong or punishing them or withdrawing approval and acceptance um, and not giving no feedback, right? Which is actually extinction. 
but giving that positive feedback on the moments that may move in the right direction. Please don't expect perfection. People don't actually change 100% overnight. What they do is they make little steps toward it because it's a risk. I've done this for 30, 50 years, whatever. And now I'm trying this new behavior and I'm afraid of the loss of control. I'm afraid of being replaced and irrelevant and put out to pasture and no longer needed. And so by not saying the advice, it feels like I'm not loving you. It feels like I'm no longer relevant and there's no other need you have of me. Thus, you're not going to remember me. You're not going to care about me. And so that's a lot of that older generation is feeling like by not saying something, by not interjecting, by not inserting myself, it is saying, I don't love you and I'm abandoning you because many times unconsciously they're overcompensating for where they felt unsupported. So they're trying to give something and it feels like you're rejecting them as a person versus, Hey, that, that kind of parent child dynamic in adulthood is not helpful. And this dynamic of what we're doing right now is not appropriate. Um, and again, there's also dynamics. We'll talk more in future episodes of maybe even some of the emotional roles of where a parent tries to put you in the place of being their parent emotionally. So let's wrap here just for sake of time, but I am so excited to hear how some of these flesh out for you. And obviously you're going to have to troubleshoot, figure out what works for you. I do recommend counseling even by yourself. You know, I have a lot of people that maybe their family members, loved ones would never, ever, ever darken the door of a counselor's office or a psychologist or a coach, but you can at least do your part and I've found genuinely when you do your part, your, your ability to respond and navigate can become so much softer, soothing, reassuring, sure-footed and confident that then it doesn't seem to trigger as much. You can't control the other person, but you can really start to diffuse the automaticity and the dynamic of where we're actually uh, triggering and reenacting dynamics together. Be willing to do your own work set those boundaries and life-giving ways where we are partnering toward a common goal, positively reinforce the heck out of anything that's even a little bit in the right direction. Reinforce reward and remind that person, here is who you are to me. When just you being alive on the planet, you just breathing, you're valuable to me. Irrespective of all the conflict and the weird things we're going through right now, I just want to remind you, I love you. You're irreplaceable. You're important. What you have to contribute is valuable to me. We're just navigating new dynamics around it now that I'm an adult and I'm not a kid in your house anymore. So how do we do that together? I'm so excited for you. We want to hear from you and uh, be sure to plan ahead, troubleshoot, and then just stay curious of how different dynamics can play out out and continue to love even when people don't deserve it. And love doesn't mean no boundaries and being a doormat. Love means honoring people and honoring yourself and then staying curious of how the Holy Spirit might lead you into a new dynamic together. Bye guys. We'll see you for the next episode. Thank you for investing in yourself, your family, and your team. We are honored to serve you and your vision.